Dear people of God, please join me in prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Come as the wind and cleanse. Come as the fire and burn. Convert and consecrate our lives for our great good and for the greater glory of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Grateful to be here with you this morning at uh, St. John's, Florence. I have my wife here uh, joining us in worship. I was cleaning out my study the other day at home. When I came uh, across the box, my sister sent me from California just a few months after my mother's death. It was a box that was about 20 inches or so uh, long, about uh, 16 inches wide. It's filled with a bunch of old religious books, hymnals, and old collections of prayers, and, and, and old Bibles. You know, when you're a clergyman, people think you want these things. <laughs> and they give them to you. So I had my sister send them back to me, not knowing what to do with them. One of them was a Bible that my paternal grandfather gave to my grandmother. I opened it up. Right there it said Christmas Day 1918 to Myrtle. Love, Perry Lauren. What am I to do with it? I mean, really. It's too old to read. I don't know of a place that uh, would be good to sit it on, like a coffee table or something like that. doesn't seem appropriate to do that. God knows I don't feel comfortable throwing it away. <laughs> Now, let me give you some background. 1918, Arkansas. My uh, father was born the next year, 1919. Then less than two years later, maybe a little more than two years later, my paternal grandfather struck by lightning and killed while he was driving the tractor into the barn. I know why Grandma Lawrence kept it. Precious heirloom to her. The last thing she received from her dear husband. So it has sentimental value. I look down on it and I think, okay, well, uh, it means a little bit to me, though I never knew my paternal grandfather and my father never knew him either. Being that he was less than two years old when my father, when his father died, and then I think, well, which of my five children are going to want it, <laughs> and which of my eighteen grandchildren want it? Will it mean anything to them? So what do you do with something like that? I tell you, you know, in a in a way, it's it's a reminder of two things. It's a reminder of faith that dwelt in the tradition of my family, in the Lawrence side of the family. I didn't receive any Bible from the Coombe side of the family. I'm not sure any of them ever had a Bible. 
So it's an heirloom pointing back to faith in the Lord's clan. It's also a reminder of mortality. My mortality. And that's what All Saints Day is, you know? And All Saints Sunday. It points to two things. It points backward to the faith that we all have received. And some of you here at St. John's stand in a long line of people who have gone before you here at St. John's. And the saints that have dwelt here before you. And it points ahead to the faith that you hope will carry on in the future. But it also, all saints, day reminds us of our mortality. Almighty God, you have knit together the elect in one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Grant that we, in your grace, following their good example, may press on. And we just sang that song. I sing a song of the saints of God. They love their Lord so dear, so dear, and their love, your love made them strong, and they followed the right for Jesus' sake the whole of their good lives long. And one was a soldier, and one was a priest, and one was slain by a fierce wild beast, which points back, of course, to the third century when Christians were being martyred by animals before the Colosseum or in the uh, Roman Forum while citizens of Rome watched them. Some were burned alive. One was slain by a fierce wild beast, and there's not any reason, no, not the least, why I shouldn't be one too. Yeah, that's a big crock of baloney. <laughs> that there's no reason, no, not the least, why I and you shouldn't be one. There's a lot of reasons. I'm going to talk about just one of them tonight, today. But along with that is there's that other line that's just not true. They follow the right for Jesus' sake, the whole of their good lives long. Well, my goodness, they hardly need a Savior if that's true. But they didn't follow him their whole of their good life long. There were times they failed and they faltered and they sinned and they fell short of the glory of God and you knew them. <laughs> if you're honest, and haven't made them somebody they weren't, they needed a Savior. So, we, it's a lovely hymn. I, I love it, and I sing it every All Saints Day, and I'm disappointed we don't sing it, but it's got some things that are wrong. <laughs> Such as, there's no reason why we shouldn't be saints. I'll give you three. Some of you remember them in this way. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, we've cleaned up the language a little bit. We say it differently now when someone is baptized. Do you renounce all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? I renounce them. You renounce the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God. I renounce them. That's the word. Do you renounce all the sinful desires? That is your own issues that draw you from the love of God. I renounce them. Charles uh, Finney once said he had more trouble with Charles Finney than any other one. Dwight, excuse me, Dwight Moody. Once said he had more trouble with Dwight Moody than any other man he knew. 
I have more trouble with Mark Lawrence than anybody I know. And so does my wife, Alice. <laughs> so we've got this world of flesh and the devil stuff, and I'm just going to talk about one of them. It comes against us. It's a challenge to us. The world. The world longs that. And you're thinking it's just going to go on. One good day after another. But I like what Annie Dillard said, that American novelist and writer. She said, it's not good days that are hard to come by. It's good lives. Good lives are hard to come by. And that's why we like to celebrate All Saints Day, because once in a while someone lives a good one, and we want to learn from it. And one of the things you have to do to live a good life, I, I think, ultimately, is, is to look into mortality. I was at St. Michael's Church there in Charleston one Sunday for my annual visit. I had preached and celebrated at the 8 o'clock service and went over into the parish hall to give a teaching. And I was coming back through the graveyard to the great historic church of St. Michael's, Charleston. Some of you have been there. I'm walking through the graveyard that has a few notable worthies buried there. One of them is Charles Coatsworth Pinckney, one of the crafters of the Constitution of these United States, buried right there. And I've got all my bishop garb on. I mean, not, not, the, not the modest stuff I'm wearing today. The coat and the mitre, you know, the big hat and the, and the beautiful ornament. And I'm walking by through the gravestones and I see some tourists who are staring down at a gravestone. I assume they're tourists because they're not dressed like people going to St. Michael's. <laughs> and I stop, and instead of you contemplating your own mortality or somebody else's. <laughs> they said, what? I, I, I said, are you contemplating your own mortality or someone else's mortality? Well, not only were they not prepared for a bishop standing there with all his regalia, but they weren't prepared for that question either. They weren't contemplating anybody's mortality. They were there on a holiday in Charleston. Beautiful Charleston, foodie capital of South Carolina. Wonderful historic buildings. They're there for a good day that they can talk about. I'm asking them about a good life and a good death. Of course, the, the text that made me even think of that, that I was preaching on, is, so we are of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. And in this verse, for we must all appear before the great judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. We must all appear before the great judgment. 
that pure mortality. And my mortality. And it's there. And we better well face it. The mortality of everyone we love and know. For no one gets out of this life alive. And along with that is nobody gets out of this life without suffering. And without setbacks and pain. And betrayals and hurts and wounds. We live daily with them. And you all in Florence got confronted with a pretty painful one. When a police officer went to a, a place to be an officer of peace. And he just buried him recently. Her, she said. And these things happen every week, it seems now. Somebody goes unhinged. Blows people away. It's a difficult world. And in the spite of that, the world around us is trying to tell us that it's all just one holiday after another. That's what we should look for, the next cruise, the next vacation, the next weekend at the beach, the next getaway. That's what the world would mesmerize us with. Contemplating your own mortality with someone else's. I don't know if I've told you this story. But some years ago, my wife Allison and I were going through the home of a, a friend who had died, a friend of the family. He owned a jewelry store and a clock repair shop. And there were times that people brought their clocks in to be repaired and they never came to re return, receive them, to pay for them being fixed. And so he had in his home every kind of clock you could imagine. There were wall clocks and grandfather clocks and cuckoo clocks and electric clocks and a phoenix clock, cat clock that had a tail that wagged and a mouth that opened. And desk clocks, every kind of clock you could imagine in every room, multiple clocks. And my wife, who has an eye for the ironic, while we were walking through here, she said, isn't it strange? He has a clock in every room and never seemed to know what time it was. She wasn't talking about chronology time. She meant lifetime. He didn't know what time it was. So when his sons were being raised, he was so busy building the business growing the jewelry store, that he didn't have time for them, and, and they grew up without him, and they went off in different ways and, and never came home, not even when he was dying. And then it was just him, just he and his wife. And still he didn't know what time it was. And they weren't golden years for her. And then she came down with Alzheimer's early on in life. And for her, then, there was no time. No time past, no time future, just the eternal now. And it had no beginning and no end. And then she died early. And then it was just him. And then he came down with Alzheimer's. And there was no past or future for him either. Didn't know what time it was. You see, the world lulled us 
into its uh, orb. And we lose track of the things that are eternal and important. And a day like today that calls us to remember the saints who have gone before us and what made them saints. It wasn't that they loved their Lord so dear, so dear, and his Lord love made them strong and they followed the right for Jesus' sake the whole of their good lives long. That's not what made them saints. We got a picture of, of, of them today. In the reading from the gospel of Revelation, the, the book of Revelation, John, uh, the, the apostle, on the island of Patmos, on the Lord's day, was given a vision. A vision of not things at present, nor a thing of the past, but a vision of the future. He said, after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the land, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? And I said, Sir, you know. And he said, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. My friends, it wasn't because they loved their Lord so dear, so dear, and they followed the right for Jesus' sake the whole of their good lives long. They're there because they washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. They're leaning on His sacrificial love, His perfect for they all fell short of the glory of God. They all stumbled. They all sinned. They were all broken. There were times that they were scared. There were times that they were lonely. There, there were times that they didn't know if they could put one foot in front of the other. And yes, it's true that his love did make them strong. But they didn't follow the right all the time. There were blemishes and wounds and warts and pain. It's why they had to wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb. And it's why you and I need to contemplate our mortality long enough to say, yes, I'd better wash the robe in the blood of the Lamb because I'm not righteous enough in my own goodness to be there on the far side. But I ask you, my friends, are you, are you among those named? Standing there from every tribe, language, people, and nation, a kingdom of priests to serve our God. Are you one of them? I 
believe I am, but not because I'm good. But because of God's grace. I've washed my blood, my robe in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. And they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He knows his sheep and his sheep know him. He calls them by name and no one shall snatch them out of his hand. He will guide them to the springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Boy, that's good news. And the good news of this day is not that there were so great saints before us whom we can emulate, but rather there is a great Savior who has saved us. And because he has saved us through the blood of the Lamb, then we press on to the upward call. Because we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us dipping their robes in the blood of the Lamb. And so they are saved. My friends, if you've not yet dipped your robe in the blood of the Lamb, today is the day of salvation. The day of your day to be saved. And then you can sing a song of the saints of God, faithful and brave and true, who toiled and fought and lived and died for the Lord they love. May it be so for each of us this day. Having contemplated our mortality, let us look forward to the ineffable joy that awaits.